0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 312 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, coming to you from Austin, Texas, and I'm excited about today's episode because I've got some additional guests to share with you today. I've got John G. co-founders, Dave Spandorfer and Mike Bernstein joining us. Both of them are still with John G., and we're going to talk about behind the scenes in running apparel what it's like to make this stuff, which I think is much more complicated than you might think, and then some tips from them on how to get the right running apparel for your seasonal needs, whether that be summer or winter. So we'll get to that in just a second. A couple of things before we jump in. First of all, wanted to thank my sponsor for today's episode, Care Of. I've been working with them for over two years now, and I'll have an offer code for you with them in the middle of the episode. So stay tuned for that. Also wanted to wish good luck to those racing the Boston Marathon next weekend. I will be there coaching myself with a whole host of rogue athletes that'll be racing. And I wanted to just point out a couple of episodes that might be useful for you if you're racing Boston. Episode 14 is one where I talk about Boston Marathon course strategy with my former co-host, Steve. And then also episode 272, more recent episode with just me talking about all things Boston. And in particular, I break down course strategy and some interesting stats on course strategy in that episode. So go check those out. I also wanted to point out quickly that if you're ever looking for topics and whether or not I've covered them in any past episodes... One way you can do that is by going to my podcast site and searching on it, and it'll give you the episodes that might hit that topic. So if you go to runningrogue.libsyn.com, then you can see my actual podcast site has all the episodes there, and then you can search them to find old episodes that might be topically relevant to whatever you might be asking about. So again, that's running rogue dot l i b s y n dot com and i'll post that in the show notes as well that's a quick way to find old stuff if you're not really sure where it may have been covered in one of these 312 episodes so that's my intro we'll jump in now with dave and mike here we go welcome dave and mike from john g to the show welcome to running rogue guys thanks it's great to be here thanks Chris. It's good to have you on. This is a fun kind of full circle moment because we have a long history, (laughs) which is odd and weird. And I honestly was trying to think back on it myself. I don't even remember exactly how the initial connection came about, but I got involved with you guys when I owned a retail store back in 2012, when you guys were early in founding this, trying to design pieces, figure out the path for your new apparel company. And and I was giving you feedback on product back in 2012. So nuts yes, that you here are. you are on the podcast 11 years later. And honestly, if, if you'd made me bet back then whether you'd make it this far, I probably would have bet against you. So it's even cooler Ouch. that you actually Jeez. made it. Yeah. Not because of you, <laughs> I loved you guys, but just it's such a hard industry. And we'll, we'll obviously talk about that and the ups and downs of it as we go. But let's go back and tell the origin story for everybody listening, you guys were college teammates. How did John G come to be from there?
1: Yeah, so Mike here, um, Dave and I were college teammates, and actually before we were college teammates, Dave recruited me. Uh, I was um, a freshman running Division three at Trinity College in Connecticut. Didn't really love it there. Um, wasn't just a great culture fed, super small school and a little more towards like the kind of frat scene. Then was my vibe, um, and I was starting to think about transferring and reached out to a few different schools um, and the funny thing about Dave was he was a sophomore running for Washu, and just kind of in classic Dave fashion saw that the way that he could help make the team better was to help the coach recruit because you know he could only do so much as a runner, and so Dave was basically my point of contact at Washu, and you know I was talking to like five other middle-aged coaches and then this guy Dave who was closer to my age who seemed like a pretty cool guy and naturally went in that direction and signed on to run for Wash U and then we became you know buddies and training partners Uh, and I'll yeah I'll pass it over to you Dave you can kind of take it from there.
2: Yeah and so so Mike and I came up with the idea literally on the bus ride to the division three track championship meet in Cleveland, Ohio. This was going into my senior year. And we started typing up a business plan on Google Docs in order to create a running apparel brand that was very different than what everyone else was doing. So our goal was instead of just trying to make like black shorts that were all about, you know, running fast, winning races. And look, we liked running fast and we liked winning races. But what we loved, I think, the most about running was this idea of using running as a way to explore the world around us, to connect with people, right? Connect with each other. That's sort of how we developed our friendship. And then also like this idea of change, right? This idea that when you go for a run, you have this this change that happens to you. I I think you ask 10 out of 10 runners, they'll say, you know, running has given me mental clarity or physical well-being or just this idea of just betterment that happens through running and we typed in the business plan right there. And then Mike, maybe you want to talk a bit about how we uh, actually had this idea come to fruition in college. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So um, actually kind of, that was the bus there, the race itself. It was um, the, the first time both of us had qualified for the D3 national meet. We were in the 10 K was record high temps in Ohio. And you usually would never do this for a track 10K, but they actually like had stations with water cups along the route, like as if it was a marathon and they were hosing people off. It was like hundred degrees. People were keeling over left and right. Um, and so I think, you know, we decided to hone in a little bit on kind of this water mission after that race, seeing how important it was within the sport and kind of doing research and getting a sense of like, if we wanted to make a difference with this company, Providing people in communities around the world with access to safe drinking water is one of the most impactful things that you can do. And so it relates to the runners. It's a way to kind of make a maximum impact on the world. And uh, that was kind of the start of the brand that we see today. And it's definitely gone through a lot of permutations and evolution since then. But at that point, um, you know, we were still in school. We had no idea what we were doing, but we recruited a couple of our teammates and buddies that were kind of. Brought things to the table that Dave and I couldn't do ourselves. So we had like an architecture major teammate who's uber creative designed the initial logo and the initial first couple designs for the apparel itself. And then there was a guy on the team named Kenny who uh, was just like the ultimate businessman before any of us were even you know legal drinking age. We're (laughs) like Kenny, can can you help us get the stuff manufactured? Yeah, and he like to his credit he went and got it done and he found us manufacturing partners and got us set up with our first factory and first fabrics. Um, and, and then it was kind of in Austin, Texas where we first met you, where the idea kind of went out into the market for the first time when we, we presented at the running event trade show It showed stores and kind of gauged interest, um, before kind of actually diving in more full time after college.
0: So that's right. You walked into our store during that conference and we met and that was how the connection was made but neither of you guys had any apparel background so how did you go about figuring out how to get this stuff
2: made uh that's a great question i think the the, the way that we were able to do it is really at the beginning was through trial and error um we had this you know this sort of this desire to create something and when we went to the running event in Austin, Texas, uh, we brought samples that were hand-dyed in a bathtub. (laughs) Literally, this was not coming from our (laughs) our RN factory in Asia. This was hand-dyed in a bathtub with, I think, some Joanne fabrics in there too.
1: The architect uh, teammate David's, uh, his hands were blue for like a week after that from hand-dying the sample yardage.
2: And, and and just I think as you know, we sort of had this desire to 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 win in college and sort of create a great team. We ended up creating a great team by doing some recruiting. And Chris, I remember recruiting you too. I think we had someone who was in your training group, Michael Peterson, kind of push us to make that initial introduction. And 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 you and many other people gave some great advice, right? Whether it was from you know men's shorts to bras to how to create like a meaningful collection that as a small brand, you able to sort of get started. And and look, we were never at no point at no point did we have like venture capital funding or anything (laughs) like that building this brand. This is just really many people's hard work advice suggestions that has taken the brand. I think over the years where we're at and just, it's Mike and I just not having an apparel background and just trying to listen to, as many smart, well-intentioned people as possible.
0: And where did you first manufacture?
1: Um, we initially did a small kind of sample run out of a, um, a shop in the, in the garment district of New York, but our first full production run was in like the Dongguan region of China. Um, and then since transitioned most of our production to um, Vietnam and Peru and other places.
0: Wow. So you were you making trips over there to figure all that out?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's funny because now we've built up a pretty solid team, and there's you know really solid area experts on a product team that that kind of take on that part of the business. But in the early days, it was really us, and so I spent kind of months over in that region meeting with our factory, trying to make sure that we could get you know, our samples in time for the running event or the peril production, you know, they're never going to prioritize the smaller customers. So like, it's hard to get them to make your stuff. So sometimes you actually have to be there to be the annoying fly to um, actually get them to put your stuff on the line. Um, so yeah, that, those are some good times for sure.
0: Well, I mean, and I we will talk more about this, but the process of getting a piece made is just it's not easy. You would think it'd be simple to make a running shirt, running shorts, but there's the design and there's a sample creation process. Then you're tweaking it, getting the sizes right and all that stuff. I mean, there's just so many layers to it that we take for granted as runners who just get to pick it off the rack. So what was the hardest
2: part about that process to figure out and learn? I can, I can say for us in many ways, it was, it was n- these first few years, I think we've gotten much better at this and is really trying to figure out women's shorts. This is something, if you were to ask 100 different runners, they would give you 100 different opinions as to how certain things would, would, would fit, right? Guys, like, it's just if it kind of fits, you know, it's like, it's okay. <laughs> it's like, don't to try it on when they're in the store. But, but for us, I mean, the great thing is that we've been able to really figure this out. And now, now, one of our top three best selling styles is. This our, our women's AFO middle shorts, and I think the reason for it is, we, well, for one, we just hired really smart, talented people, like our senior tech designer who comes from uh, Reebok and icebreaker, and we've got a great head of product who have really nailed this. But it took also a lot of trial and error, especially in the beginning, to sort of figure out like. Who are you, right? Who are you trying to target? Because initially, as someone who doesn't have a lot of experience in the branding, you try and be all things, all people who you talk to, right? And over time, you sort of narrow in your perspective as to like, look, anyone can buy from you, but you need to have a very specific point of view, not just on like the marketing, but, but actually how things fit as well. And, you know, we, we really do care about being incredibly inclusive in terms of our sizing, right? Our, our women's product up the 2XL, and we're working to go beyond that. But having that clear point of view in terms of the, the length, in terms of the overall where, where it fits and, and work with the right team and fit models and, and designers to make it happen did take, did take some time to, to get it right. And there was this one time where getting the women's shorts, we had this great article in Runner's World um, about Johnji. And every single women's short had arrived before this Runner's World article came out, which is going to be our big moment. Every single short had its aligner sewed in backwards. Oh, no. What did you do? Well... Oh, well, we, 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 we had these people, we had a bunch of people pre order it. And then we messaged them all and we said, hey, like, just say, so you no, know, we can't send this out to you. This out. Right. We're happy to take a refund, but we're also sending it back to our factory and we'll have it, uh, you know, back to you within like two months. Right. And we feel terrible. Here's a code for a future order. But like, if we wanted to do this, we just really appreciative. We're a really small business. And pretty much everyone decided to keep their order which is great i think it speaks to it speaks to runners it speaks to people who are, want to help out a lot of small businesses and the fact that that is my talk about we have this 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 clean water mission that's been with us since the beginning that that i think allowed us a little bit of generosity back from from people who, who bought from us
0: yeah and how did that piece evolve i remember when we when we first met we were talking about it and you guys weren't really sure you're figuring out how that would take shape and what percentage of sales i mean initially i don't even think you guys had a percentage now it's two percent but prior to that it was more about funding specific projects and it was less specific how did that part of it evolve and how did you start to identify the organizations that you would work with
1: yeah that's a really good question in the early days were you know we were really green when we started janji obviously uh and it's it's funny to hear you say that um you would have bet that it, you know we wouldn't have made it. And I think that's spot on. Um, we had the luxury of being kind of young and dumb and not needing you know a lot of money to support families or anything like that, because this, this business is so hard. And it really did take us um, you know, like six years to kind of get these pieces into place to the point where um, John T was in a position to be successful. Um, so it was a real luxury to have that element of time. But in that vein, in the beginning, on the mission side, we initially focused on a, on both nutrition and clean water. And we were uh, naive in thinking that we could support the business in donating. I think it was $4 per unit of apparel we sold, we donated, uh, and our heart was in the right place, but it just wasn't feasible, especially like we were selling wholesale. So then the way that works is you sell it for half of the retail price to the wholesaler and the math just didn't, didn't add up, and we found that pretty quickly. And we eventually landed on more specifically water um, just to have kind of a more cohesive, cleaner message. And we felt like that was where we could have a bigger impact. Um, and our water mission kind of changes depending on where we're working in any given season. So, um, last spring, for example, our collection was focused on Java, Indonesia, and we partnered with an organization called Greeneration that worked to clean up. Dirtiest one of the dirtiest rivers in the world that's in Java, Indonesia. Kind of clean that up to be a healthier water source um, for that community. And so, kind of, we're working with different partners in each place that are focusing on specific needs in that part of the world. Um, And then, the amount we donate is two percent of all of our sales. And so, you know, that's something we're passionate about because you see a lot of you know socially conscious brands that donate you know say a percentage of profits or. Things like that that sound the same, but for us, it's just it's sales. It's like any dollar we come that comes in the door, we're donating two percent of that. Um, So it's very transparent, and the great thing is, is it's like it's completely aligned with Johnji's goals of like growing. And you know, the bigger Johnji gets, that two percent just grows right alongside of us. And so it's been pretty special to see like over the last few years, the kind of check sizes that we're able to donate to these organizations just get like bigger and bigger and bigger but we know that we can support it because you know it's like Patagonia has one percent for the planet for us it's two percent for clean water
0: awesome how does that so it does evolve by collection you're saying so I know you guys have the West Indies collection coming out now in 2023 what's your project for example for that collection
1: we're actually not ready to reveal our West okay. Indies uh, partner organization yet. So that one Fair actually enough. is, a we'll lot have to stay tuned on.
0: Fair enough. What's your most recent partner? Is that the Java partner?
1: Yeah. And then in Chile, um, we partnered with an organization that was focused on um, adding clean water infrastructure to schools in rural Chile. Um, I think only like. Uh, there's 30% of schools that don't have access to clean um, drinking water and running water um, in those regions. Blanking on the NGO's name
2: though. uh, uh, Fundacion, LA. Yeah, LA. Exactly. Thank you.
0: Hmm. So what's been your biggest
2: mistake so far in 11 years? Well, thankfully, a lot of those mistakes have not Occurred in the last, call it five years, and I mean there was a lot of things that I think if we were to do it all over again, we would have whether it's double checking the lining on the shorts, mm-hmm. or it's you know, maybe in the beginning like not developing enough of a digital presence or a community presence. I mean those were things that I think we would do all over again. We would be really focused on those two things. Uh, I can say, very proudly and luckily, I mean I've been doing this with Mike for eleven years, and and I've I've Feel the most important thing. It's kind of like a marriage. The most important thing is is really to pick the right co-founder, you know, the right person to do business with, because it's in many ways harder to do, um, you know, to really to really separate in a business when there's just so much tied in together. And this also goes for the other people who we started with in the beginning. We mentioned Kenny. We mentioned David Ham. Those are people who you know came to us in Austin 11 years ago, and we've really been, even though they don't have a day-to-day world, we've been friends with them, close to them, advisors ever ever since.
0: I want to talk about the apparel process creation design and creation process. So if using the West Indies collection as an example, when does design begin on that? How long, how far out from release date are you starting to work?
1: Yeah. So the development process starts a year and a half to two years out from when it hits the market. Um, And so there's kind of, Two elements to it. One is like the core product itself, not including like the color or the print that goes on that product. And when it comes to that product, we're really just trying to kind of create the best possible product to help our customer get out there and connect with the world through running. And so just thinking about their use case, um, you know, we kind of talk about them internally and we call them the explorer runner and the way we um the way we think about them and it's you know it's relatively easy because i think dave and i you know in a lot of ways fit into this bucket itself so we can have the luxury of thinking about ourselves but also it's a little bit bigger than us and so we think about like what are the situations they're finding themselves in where are they training for you know how do they enjoy running and, and one way we think about them is like they're typically running out their front door and kind of running in their city during the week, but their true passion is kind of getting out there for longer excursions, typically on trail on weekends. Um, And I think actually like some of the rogue expeditions that, that you guys put on um, are like spot on for what, what our kind of customer would enjoy. So um, appreciate that. But there's that piece where we're like, we're, you know, creating, for example, the multi-short, which has, you know, a 360 degree kind of band around the waist that has, Pocketing all the way around, and they can store like you know a headlamp and a phone and six granola bars, um, and kind of feel secure running with all that stuff without having to bring a pack. Um, and we're finding the best possible materials, and we're making sure that we're using um, oeko and Blue Sign certified materials to make sure that things are produced sustainably and ethically as much as we can. Um, and then there's kind of the other side of the design process, which is more the aesthetic. Piece. And that's where the kind of country inspiration comes in. And so, you know, maybe about um, a year, year and a half out from the season, our creative director Connor, who's really amazing at this, um, and our kind of cultural liaison Justine, who, who actually designed those prints um, behind Dave right now, uh, they'll kind of start reaching out to artists from that part of the world. And so, we'll focus on a different region each season. And like modern social media and Instagram are just so incredible for being able to kind of see what's out there. And, you know, these don't have to be like super famous artists with massive followings. Like sometimes they're just out there, they have 500 followers on their Instagram and they just do really cool, you know, batik prints or, you know, hand-drawn sketches, or they have some sort of um, kind of creative output that we're really inspired by and it connects back to the place where they live. Um, we'll kind of, yeah, we'll reach out, send them a DM or whatever and get in touch and we'll kind of kick off a creative process where over the course of several months working with them, we'll end up with this artwork that's unique to them in the place and has a story behind it. And our apparel team kind of takes that and manipulates it and applies it to our pieces as either placed graphics or all over prints. Um, and that's where it really comes to life and why our you know, apparel, you can't really predict what we're going to do based on a WGSN trend report or, you know, it's completely different from what you see around the industry because we're really not paying attention to that. We're kind of doing it our way and working with these, these artists all around the world.
2: It's
0: funny you mentioned that because I I was an intern at Nike back in 2004. And I just remember hearing about the color trend report that would come out every year of the colors that were going to be hot. And it was always funny to me that, really the colors you see in fashion are often not hot because people asked for it but because somebody said it was going to be hot and then that sort of became the industry's path forward and they basically planted those colors so that you would like them and and so yeah that's a whole thing but clearly you guys are on a different path which is cool.
2: We're, we're trying to be. I mean, our, our goal is to really have this creative expression through the gear that you wear, right? We want it to, to fit well and work well and perform well. And to Mike's point, like this should take you on wherever your adventures go. But, if we, you know, I think it's also, our, you know, what we want to do is we want to highlight and uplift these artists from around the world, right? You can be this artist in the French West Indies. And one thing that's really cool is that we did like this open call uh, for for artwork from students who lived in martinique in the french west indies we our idea is like look we're going to showcase your art here right show the world about who you are and ideally like you get following and love from that like that's that's very much i think where we where we want to do is is not just follow the trend reports but really listen to people who are on the ground and tell their stories how do you
0: pick your regions
2: that's a good question it's a
1: bit of an art and a science but. Different things that we're thinking about. Um, one is kind of the the creative community in a certain place, what the art scene is like, what their style is. Um, another is the running scene. It's really cool to work in places that has a really robust local running scene of some sort that we can tap into. Um, and then another element is with a clean water mission, trying to find places that have um, something that we can contribute to on the clean water front, whether it's kind of ecological. Cleanup, or it's more on the you know well drinking water side of things. Um, we keep it relatively broad, but um, having that need, but then also having uh, really strong um, nonprofit organizations working in that space that we feel really good about funding. Because you know in the early days of John G we were you know donating a few thousand dollars, one thing. But as we've grown, and, and the donations that we're making are, are even bigger, which is great we want to make sure that we're putting that money in the right place and working with really reputable organizations. So I'd say those are kind of the different factors that we look at. And we also try to kind of bounce around the globe. So we might not do, you know, three seasons in a row in in South America or Africa. Um, We try to kind of highlight the global component of John G and and running by bouncing all around uh, from continent to continent.
0: Okay, for a second, we're going to cut away from the interview to talk about my sponsorship with Care Of. Again, I've been working with them now for a couple of years. They are a vitamin and supplement company that make it easy for you to take care of you. They are a monthly subscription service that has high-quality personalized vitamin supplements and powders that will be delivered conveniently to your door every month. All you have to do is go take a short, in-depth quiz On their website that covers your lifestyle and your health goals, and they will give you back a personalized set of recommendations for you on what will help you reach those goals. You can also add other things to the mix if you know you need it. And then they assemble that into individual daily packs that are, by the way, plant based and compostable, so that they come to you and then you just pull one out each day and take it, which makes it really simple to not forget the things you need to be your best running self. It's also really convenient, convenient for travel as you can just pop the number of packs you need into your suitcase and then have everything you need to supplement on the road as well so you don't miss a beat. Each shipment also comes with a customized pamphlet that shows you exactly what you're getting. So for 50% off your first care of order go to takecareof.com and enter the code rogue50. Again that's takecareof.com use the code rogue50 r o g u e 5 0 for 50% off. You won't regret it. Now let's get back to my conversation with Dave and Mike. Here we go. Once you get a design in place with the silhouettes that you like, designs applied to them, how soon or or how far out do you take them to the factory to start the sampling process
1: once we have the designs from the artwork and the apparel itself gosh um gonna have to pull in taylor our developer to really nail these dates but i'd say that starts becoming closer to like nine months out from um the product arriving in our warehouse so nine months so right now right now our team is working on um are kind of between like spring 24 and fall 24 in the development process um so that, that helps and we're probably you know we'll kick off spring 25 and you know three or so months
2: like what our goal here is john is to really create the most durable right and 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 the most sustainable product so every gear that we have is like a five-year run everywhere guarantee so this is like a guarantee to you know, make that like if you buy the product and it falls apart, we will repair or replace it within five years, right? So you buy something in the French West Indies line, you can return this back to us through 2028. And there's no receipt needed because we know when you bought this, right? Like this is these unique prints that like we can, you know, carbon date it back to, to 2023. And so that, that that's really important for us. And that, that process does take a long time, whether it's the fitting piece, whether it's the testing piece, whether it's the, you know, ensuring that, the designs are culturally appropriate, right? This is very important for us is to really like highlight and showcase and sort of spotlight these places and celebrate them, right? So that the next time someone thinks of a warm place to go to, they look at Martinique, which is an island that's been hit pretty hard by climate change and and natural disasters. But it's a beautiful sort of underseen place and, and showcasing those places, that artwork process, that design process, it does take a little time, but then once we have it 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 should last you know i look I still run the original Kenya shorts that we made eleven years ago that we showcase at that t r e that was that was the more that was the uh you know the final version that we that we actually made in a production run but yeah, this stuff we we want the products last like twenty plus years
0: yeah, but it's not uncommon, and I think sports apparel for these longer term design processes. I mean, you hear it often in shoes as well, but this idea that you guys are having to stack—you know, 2025 development, early stage development with 2024 production with 2023 release—I mean, the fact that those three things are happening simultaneously is i think generally opaque to the running apparel customer cool. and it's and which is good right you don't want them to know the challenges of it and you want them to be seamless for for the customer but i just think it's it's interesting and fascinating to develop an appreciation for what that's like because it is hard work especially once you layer in actually getting the fits right Sampling, obviously that's the next step, which is important. The factory actually produces samples for you to take a look at and make sure that it's, it's right. You missed the liners being inside out, but you know that's a part of that process is fixing any errors, making sure the colors are manifested the way you want them to be. So there's that part of the process. And then you go to the pr- production eventually. So walk us through those last nine months to release.
1: Uh, well, It's not far from that point that Dave comes in who runs all of our wholesale and sales and has relationships with like, you know, Rogue Running and uh, REI and and a lot of specialty stores around the U.S. And there's kind of a selling period where we create like a kind of lookbook catalog and we meet with all these shops and we tell them about the new season and the new designs. Um, And we try to book orders that will come out the next year. Then there's kind of a period of kind of final, you know, cuts, if we're not going to make certain things or tweaks or um, final, you know, changes or learnings we have from our wear testers that will impact production. And then, you know, it's, I don't know, maybe around um, four months out that we kind of place our PO where then our factory starts bringing in the actual materials and then they cut and sew the garments together. And then we have a quality assurance team kind of scrutinize it and check it out to make sure that things are exactly the way that they're supposed to and then we've um, shifted a lot uh, over actually this is getting really into the weeds but you can either ship stuff on airplanes or you can ship it on boats airplanes are a lot faster but they're also a lot more expensive and have much higher carbon emissions and so both to save money and to lower our carbon footprint we've shifted as much as we can over to the sea shipping side. Um, So that takes a little bit longer, but, you know, we've gotten better about kind of getting our calendar further ahead, thanks to our product team. And so that's been uh, another change in the last few years.
0: And that was
2: incredibly bottlenecked during the pandemic too. So Chris, we actually had one of our ships. Do you remember when like there was a ship that was like capsized in the Suez Canal? It looked like global news. Our ship was right behind there. We had a ship. Like we were like we could like track it. We like saw that there was like right behind this like massive freight container. Like good that we're not on that ship, but kind of sucks because we were there for like three weeks. Yeah, yeah, really slowed things down. You do all these things that you think are like like modern and up to date, right? We've got a great digital presence, and I think we have this using modern technology and then you realize at the end of the day you're on a boat in a, in a canal that was dug like 150 years ago yeah, yeah yeah i think i think too for for you know how, how we look at the process is really interesting right because we want to listen to our john g community our john g collective which is our membership program and we, we sell to these wholesalers right and chris you were one you were one of these wholesalers and where we ask them like well what do you want to buy Right, Like here are the things we like, but what do you wanna buy? And the crazy thing is that they're often totally correct. And they're often totally incorrect because they're buying for like a year in advance, right? right? And so we will have like a print and people are like, oh, that's like, this is the print of 2023. And then you come to 24 and then it like doesn't move. And so there's this balance too between like on the direct side, like selling on John.com dot to wholesalers too, because there's also a different place in different parts of the country. Like if you're if you're in Miami, if you're in Austin, if you're in San Francisco, you're looking for different things too on the wholesale side. But that has a pretty big impact in terms of how we buy. And so it's it's just interesting like that's blended in apparel between the modern and the stuff that's like feels a hundred years old.
0: Yeah, I think that's that was the one of the more frustrating parts of specialty retail for me was having to sit there 6 to 12 months out and predict oh, yeah, what I would helpful. need from an inventory standpoint that far out when yeah you have trends you can look back to but things change quickly and and before you know it you get to that time period when it shows up and it's right or it's not right <laughs> and especially with footwear i think apparel was a little bit easier to get right, but but footwear definitely challenging. And yeah, you have a direct consumer world where a consumer can show up on a website and get what they need exactly right at the exact time they need it versus a store having to order six, nine months, 12 months out. Very challenging to get right. Makes the business very tough on both sides, the retailer and the manufacturing side.
1: Totally. Totally.
0: Let's talk about once the customer gets the product, I I think there are a beauty of running apparel is that it's supposed to be functional. It's meant for exploration. You guys talked about that and that being your customer and having those features that allow people to explore and do it comfortably. What mistakes do you see in from the consumer side of getting the right apparel for what
2: they need? I think that, you know, there's, there's, there's two different elements of it, right? There's the, there's what people buy when they're buying online, right? Which a lot of people buy their shoes or they're running apparel online and there's what people buy in stores. And I think those almost like treated as like very different things. So let's talk about like the digital piece. So I think, I think for one people can often be oversold in terms of the, features and functions that they think that they want, but actually like they're never going to use, right? And so I, I, I look at it as um, there are certain companies and certain brands that sort of like focus on certain elements of like a piece, but the reality is like, as a runner, you're never, ever, ever at any point going to use sort of this extreme ridiculous aspect of this that like you think kind of looks good when you see it online, but it's actually just like not that necessary as a runner, right? And Mike and I are like, I run every single day. You know, Mike runs all the time. is, is training for for half marathons and ultras. And you know what we want to do with John D is really sort of like we want to have all the features that you're going to need, but really like strip it down to the to the use cases that most runners need without having like that price point at like that extreme level, right? And then I think on the on the on the wholesale side, you know, when someone's going to a specialty running store, and there's so many great running stores out there now. I, I think that there's an element of people touching and feeling and relying just on the softest possible piece, right? And the reality is if you're running a, a, a 5K in Austin or an ultra marathon, like those aren't going to be the pieces that are really going to be designed to be durable and lasting and to wear multiple times in a row. And I think what we want to do at John is really design those pieces that like, if you're wearing a backpack on it, right? If you're commuting in, if you're wearing, uh, we have like a sling bag, if you're wearing, you know, something that you're putting through the dryer time after time after time again, like we wanted to last, we want the last like five plus years. And if you're just relying as a runner on just the softest possible piece, which by the way, is great on sort of like a leisurely lounging, it's just not going to last in, in the super long term. And if you care about sustainability like that for us, is incredibly important
0: may also not be as wicking i would assume as well exactly Mm -hmm. exactly
2: especially for those austin summer days oh my gosh can we talk about that for a second
0: (laughs) (laughs) seasons you know from my perspective there is not a technical fabric that can withstand the humidity of a
2: well we need a greenhouse you know
0: (laughs) any degree you know 85% 85% humidity, Austin morning. There's just, there is not a technical fabric on the planet. And if somebody invents it, they will sell a lot of product, but I've never it's found got a Ronald it. AT, which is, which is really, really fast drying. Yeah. Haven't tested in Austin yet though. Just came out. Well, I would love to test it here because it, for the most part, I'm going shirtless in the summer, just wearing shorts because that's the coolest way to get around mm-hmm. our climate in the summer. But that's not true everywhere, obviously. You know, in drier climates, particularly, a technical fabric is potentially going to keep you cooler because it wicks the water away from your skin and allows that evaporative cooling to happen. So, if we talk seasonally, summer starting with summer and then going to winter, what talking points do you give the consumer?
1: Yeah, so I think another element um, that I see some uh, runners kind of make mistakes on is trying to find a solution for you know, one solution, uh, for a very specific running situation. And also assuming that that running situation is not going to, is going to stay fixed and not be kind of fluid over the course of, of a run. Um, and so, you know, for us, we've put a lot of uh, attention into kind of layering and thinking about our pieces, not in isolation, but in different combinations for different situations. And so, You know, it's not like there's one jacket that's going to be the winter running solution and it's going to be perfect on its own, but more thinking about, uh, all of our gear and how, you know, if you wear the base layer, um, with say, you know, our rain runner on top, that is a perfect combination for say a 30 degree day with some sleep. Um, whereas if it's. 10 degrees you add the Revo hoodie in between and then you get the you know protection from elements but you have an added layer of kind of warmth uh with kind of this you know merino blend mid-layer that we have and so really just thinking about like all these climate situations and starting to stack and combine different pieces that solve for different situations and then also understanding that things change right like you start your run you're going to be cold at the start. a mile in, you're going to get hot, you're going to start sweating. And so what can you do from there? Do you, you know, maybe take off the rain runner and it packs into itself and it usually stows into, you know, a pocket on your tights or into the multi-pass sling bag. Um, And just thinking about, you know, how do pieces combine and how can you adjust as you go on? Because your kind of micro climate is changing, but also the actual climate itself, you know, you might get above tree line and it's really windy or, you know, it might start raining mid run. So really trying to stay nimble and flexible.
2: I totally agree with everything Mike said. And there's this run that we had in St. Louis here in college where it started at 65 degrees and started snowing by the end. And this is we weren't on like a three-hour run here. This is like an hour run. And I think it's whether it's John G, whether it's another brand that you have, but like really thinking about that layering and counting for the differences in temperatures that you're just naturally going to have. I think is is really important then to just as exactly as Mike said, like have that one big piece that you think is just going to last you for, you know, the the entire run or the full temperature range of your experience.
0: So, how should somebody in winter think about their layering strategy what 's the idea?
2: I mean a base layer
1: is really key, I think um, for us, our base layer is a, is a merino nylon blend. Um, some people you know if they 're vegan or um, could prefer more of a pure tech fabric solution there's other things out there, but you want something kind of next to skin that 's going to pull moisture away from your body as you sweat and is going to keep you um, super warm, uh, at that innermost layer. And then from there, uh, I think it's really important to have some sort of exterior layer that is providing uh, protection from, from the elements. So wind blocking, uh, has some sort of, uh, you know, DWR water type protection to prevent, um, uh, liquid or moisture from coming in. But at the same time, because, um, you know, water, uh, molecules are, are uh, are what is it they're bigger than um air molecules and so you want to have something that's both going to protect from water coming in but allows um air to escape from you and breathe outward and so having kind of that uh, sort of ratio in line where you're not getting too swampy on the inside but you're also not letting uh, moisture in from the outside
2: and as say do, if it gets really cold, like it does for us here in Boston, like adding like a, a mid layer on top of that as well, sort of like a, um, it could be like a half zip. It could be something that doesn't have that sort of outer shell protection, as Mike mentioned, that like prevents you from, you know, getting hit with sleet, wind, rain. Uh, that mid layer can be like a really nice in between.
0: And then summer, what's the magic? What's the magic there? Where you at in the summer? Is it shorts and uh, no shirt in Austin? Or are you, yeah. I mean, here I would challenge any brand to get me a shirt that would actually work in our summer, but for most places I think you can do that, especially Boston. So what, what should people think about for a summer piece?
1: I mean, for us uh, on the shorts front, I think it, it's really freeing to wear something that you don't even feel that's so light and non-constricting that sometimes you you forget anything's on. Um, you know, in our case, we have kind of our AFO line of shorts is is super, super light. Um, and then for the tops, you know, I think providing sun protection is is super important. So something that's providing some, some level of SPF protection and then, um, you know, Austin really tests things to the limit here, but ideally something that's going to help pull moisture away from your body and help it evaporate into the air. Um, So something on the synthetic side, you know, a nylon or polyester typically performs the best there.
2: And I'm a big believer in just hats as well to sort of round it out. Something that keeps the sweat out of, you know, your brow and something that can like, you know, is incredibly fast drying, I think is really important. And then to Mike's point, like having something that has like that, that UPF 25, UPF 50 aspect to it. Cause I think the last thing that you want when you're running, let's say a two hour run is to get sunburned on your face on top of that. Right. And so I think just ensuring that you're wearing something that prevents that excess sun is going to be important.
0: Are there any mistakes that people make in sizing
2: that are common that you see? uh it depends of course on 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 the individual i mean the reality of course is that a lot of especially running bottoms can be a little more forgiving thanks to just simply having elastic waistbands i do think that especially you know there's having products that are running too small on bottom can be problematic just in terms of having like extra chafage and just having stuff that feels getting that Extra rub on a run is painful. I mean, many times in college, where I was wearing the wrong size piece and finish up a you know sixteen mile run, I just paid for it later. And then I think on on for for tops, having a all too big is really problematic. It easily for a guy creates like that extra, you know, dreaded the office nipple (laughs) chafing that uh, I think is just right. So so finding sort of the 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 right size on both is a of course, key, but going maybe a little bit, a little bigger on bottom and a little bit smaller on top. I think is it, it served me. I think a lot of people well.
0: Fair enough. So we talked about it a little bit. West Indies collection coming out this year. What are the highlights for you guys there?
1: It's a really special collection. I think uh, you know there's the kind of seasonal color and print side of it, where we have some of our kind of boldest, most vibrant artwork that we've put out to date. Um, and then on the style side, let's see. I think um, on the women's front, uh, we're coming out with um, a cadence short, AFO cadence short that um, we're really excited about. We, we designed it special for the season. Um, we partnered with REI um, to be the kind of exclusive vendor for that short for like the first month. So you can find it now at REI, but we'll be able to launch it in may on dot um and it's just um it's on the women's side it has um a super soft kind of yoga style waistband and it's a little bit longer a little bit flowier than the women's three inch middle short that's been kind of our best seller for the last few, few years which is an amazing product but as dave mentioned i think in the beginning there's just so many different ways you can go with women's shorts and you ask a bunch, you know, hundred women, you'll get different answers in terms of what works for them. And I think this cadence short is going to open up, you know, another sort of segment of that community of, uh, of runners that are going to love this short. That maybe you know the three inch middle short didn't work perfectly, um, but I think it's going to work uh, much better for the the cadence short. So that's one that comes to mind. And I
2: think we've got, you know, we've done I think like pretty technical products that is like I mentioned, our multi-short that can fit a lot of different gels in there. And that's important, but we also want to have accessible products, right? We want to be inclusive and accessible, sort of knowing who our target is, which is someone who likes to, you know, use running ads again this way, to like see the world around them, explore, uh, and, and I think really just connect through running. And that includes these two split shorts that we have coming out soon that are, are at a very accessible price point, but are also super fun work with the artists again for the season and really showcase these beautiful patterns as well as a bra that's at like a great price point too. And so we're, we're, we're really excited to see how these dudes do. Cause, cause you know, we want people who are not, you know, who are 18 years old and really relate to the brand, but maybe don't have the same sort of ability to sort of spend upwards to be able to, to afford John. That's important for us.
0: And how would you describe the
2: pattern, the, the artistic artistic side of the collection. So, so this one of the so we've got Justine Fedronic who designed a lot of the products. It's fun, loud, inspired by a family's home in the French West Indies. She's a former Olympian. She's she ran for France in the Olympics, very, very talented runner. And she designed this people. We have it, we have another artist who's an all-body painter. She paints literally the entire body. So you can talk about making this Austin. You know, July runs even hotter. Like, try covering it in paint. You know, you're gonna you're gonna really feel the sweat pores being clogged. This is this is this is self expression that we want to have through running, right? The idea of using running as this way to sort of like, you know, see yourself, see the world, discover yourself, discover the world. I mean, this 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 artist really, and this will come out this will come out soon. Really, did a beautiful job designing, it, all inspired by you know, traditional Martinique body art. And she's a, pulled this great design. And uh, we're, we're really excited to showcase this in like a really special way and tell her story because we, you know, we at John you really do believe it, the best artists in the world don't just live in New York and Paris and there's some great artists in Austin and Boston where we're based out of, but like they live everywhere, right? They live in Martinique. They live in in Chile. They live, you know, halfway around the world. And it's our goal to really showcase some in this nature's path design style is a great example of that
0: so as we wrap we've got to talk about another part of the world seattle you guys just entered into a merger with wazelle that announcement came out fairly recently within the last month i believe talk about that new partnership and what it means to you guys
1: yeah uh i think today's podcast was probably pretty informative for a lot of people about how our business works um, you know what goes into the running apparel that you have in your drawer you see on on a rack um, and the reality is it's a really challenging super fun and rewarding but very challenging business and industry and one of our kind of hard learnings that we had at John G in the early days was if we're going to compete you know we need to make products that's as good or better than what you see from from Nike or from Lululemon but rather than a you know, a team of color forecasters and tech designers and product testers, you know, we're doing it with what used to be a one person product team. And now we've built out our team a little bit more to have a three to four person product team and and whatnot. Um, But overall, you know, it's a tough business and it's hard to compete with kind of the big players. And you know, we like to see ourselves as kind of like the David versus versus the Goliath um, in this space. And since the beginning, there's always been an there's always been another kind of business in the space that has always kind of gone up against the big players and showed a lot of grit and heart that we've admired since the very beginning of John G.
2: And we, we have talked to Wazel almost as long as we've talked to you, Chris. I mean, this has been a long time going. And I think, you know, just as in training, you need those people who are really going to push you right? There's people who are pace setters, there's people who help really drive you to your goals. That is, that is, that is and Wazell in a nutshell, right? We, we fundamentally do believe that yes, as a runner, you're out there running your own race, right? No one can get you to the finish line or sort of like, you know, push you to the end besides yourself. But if you do have those training partners, you do have those pace groups you can really accomplish some amazing, amazing things. And I look at the relationship that Mike and I've had since college, right? Where Mike has led me to almost all of my PRs, you know, whether it's through training or whether it's through running a 10 K together, or running a marathon together. I and mean, these are, these are, these are things that it, we, we've learned through running that can be applied to the world of sports apparel. And what's so great about us all too, is they are so mission driven, right? And this is going to sound weird as, you know, Two dudes talking about it, but we just have so much respect for like the sisterhood that they built, right? Sort of the idea of advocating for women. We we really strongly believe in that mission. We couldn't imagine a better you know brand to really join forces with. And this does not mean like combining creative or product or marketing, really all the things that we talked about. It's about learning from each other, but still keeping the brands three thousand miles away, right? Keeping the creative and the product and marketing, but saying like, okay, like this this fabric really worked for you? Like, why did you work with that? Like, that's really interesting. Like there's an interesting factory partner. Like we should be able to partner together. And then the things that like no runner would see, right? The boring stuff, the accounting and the finance and the legal and the admin, like it's maybe some of the ops, like those will, those will be joined, but the rest like totally separate. We, we really do believe Wazell's mission is so powerful and that having a buy-in for a female athlete's brand is so powerful that it's, it's going to do some great things and do it really totally autonomously. But we're doing a Johnji, which is totally autonomously for myself.
0: Love it. Well, I really appreciate you guys taking the time and it's awesome to see that you've made it this far, even though I had my doubts, it wasn't in you guys. It was in just a tough industry. (laughs) And so it's cool to see how far you've come. And now the Wallace L partnership clearly will help you guys take it to another level. So Congrats on everything and thanks for joining.
1: Thank you, Chris. Really appreciate it.
0: Thanks. We've got many more miles to run together here. Dave and Mike from John G. Everyone. Thanks to them for joining and everything they do to not only create great apparel, but also give back through their apparel. Thanks to all of you for listening. As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at rogue running until next time. We'll talk to you soon.